0: From Center, Alabama, it is Monday afternoon. Welcome to True Crime on Easy Street. My name is Scott Wright, and I'm a mediocre journalist.
1: That is correct, because it's actually Wednesday. Um,
2: Whatever. My
1: name is Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. And I'm Katie Givens, and I'm not a lawyer.
0: Uh, what? You're looking at me like it's my... Oh, it it is me.
1: It is you. It's your week to do the intro, Scott. I thought I just did the intros. Thank what? you. All right. Welcome, so. everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right to it. Uh, Kelly. Yes. <laughs> this is part two it from is. Uh, what we started last week with the murder of Darlene Roberts. Yes. And we had Bo Jolly and his daughter, Caitlin Jolly, who is no longer Caitlin Jolly. She is now Caitlin Gossett.
1: Congratulations. Yes.
0: Uh, she got married over the weekend. She is currently on her honeymoon in Nashville.
1: Fun place.
0: Right. We we gave her some suggestions. I felt like she wasn't really writing them down. Maybe she already had some spots picked out that she wanted for them to go. I'm sure she, she had it planned sure. out. Yeah. So, uh, Katie, you've been to Nashville several times. I Tell have. us about it.
2: Um, No.
0: Okay. Never mind.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone's Nashville trip should be replayed. Yeah.
0: What happens in Nashville stays in Nashville. I,
1: I think that's fair.
0: So, we got to the point in last week's show where we uh, we realized that the two people who had committed the murder of Darlene Roberts had been found and mm-hmm. were incarcerated. Yes. And, and then it gets into the part that you guys know a lot more about than I do, the, the trial and the, the, the emotional reasons, perhaps, about why things like this happen. So, so this is where I get to play the dummy, and I get to sit back and listen to what you guys have to uh, learn or uh, teach to yes. me. And to all of our listeners.
1: Okay. So last week I came in dumb to the to the whole story. But then I um, did my research over mm-hmm. this past week to With be ready. With the half of the
0: book that I let you borrow. With,
1: yes. And so <laughs> I'm ready. I, I'm not coming in as a dummy this week. Uh, so I'm just going to take it from here. And Katie's going to chime in as as. It goes. Some of our things may overlap, and and some of them don't. But this is part two. So, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you need to you need to stop mm-hmm. and you need to go back. Yeah. one episode. Sorry, Jamie, and listen to. It. <laughs> <laughs> and so, welcome to part two. I'm just gonna kick it right off here in uh, November. Uh, Of 2006, Barbara was indicted on, Barbara Ann Roberts, who was the female of the male-female murderous duo. Uh, She was indicted on one count of murder during robbery and two counts of murder during kidnapping. And she was sent to the DeKalb County Jail in Fort Payne. No bail was set. Motions were made to counter this. Long story short, Judge Cole said no.
0: Judge Randall Cole, who uh, mm-hmm. re- retired recently, yep. right, Katie, yeah. uh, but was here for a long time in the 9th District.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So a motion was filed for Barbara's medical issues, stating that she needed medications and therapy. They provided letters from her psychiatrist and psychologist and a list of her current prescriptions There were, at the time of this motion, there were nine medications prescribed by three different physicians. The court was also informed of her appointments that she had uh, every other week with the psychiatrist and her psychotherapist on alternate weeks. So the way that that works is she would have one week meet meet with the psychiatrist on the next Week she would meet with the psychotherapist or the psychologist, counselor, whatever you want to call that, and then vice versa. So that so it'd be you know it it alternated, I guess I should say, not vice versa. It would it alternated. Okay, Mm -hmm. then her medical doctor provided a letter explaining uh, her spinal surgery that she had, and that was after.
0: Was that after that bad car the accident? The bad
1: car accident okay. that and you talked about last week. That was in week. 2004
0: mm-hmm. when she was in the car with uh, Dr. Scheiss. Yes. When Barbara said uh, to Sheila Johnson, who wrote uh, Blood Ambush, that was when both of our lives changed forever for a lot of reasons that we explained <clears throat>
1: in the yes. previous episode. So go a, back and it. listen to that.
0: If you're still listening, go back and listen <laughs> to the first one. What are you doing? <laughs>
1: what are you doing? We've already told you. So... She need, She had the spinal surgery, and she needed a certain level of thickness of a pillow in order to prevent extreme pain and headaches. Now, those of you out there who know anything about jail probably laughed a little bit at that, about the certain thickness of pillow right. that mm-hmm. they're going to provide for you. I, why are you in looking at me? Jail, I don't know. In a jail that is terribly underfunded.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, about, I don't know about, I don't know about the particular jail you're talking about. Let's just leave it at that. Well,
1: yeah. I'm sure pillows are standard issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you get the same pillow that everybody else gets. Right. You're not going to get the special pillow, but there, but nonetheless, this doctor's providing all of this. So, you know, there are, it's not just something that the lawyer is putting in on this motion. They back it up with doctor's letters. Right. So judge Cole read over this and agreed. He Ordered that all of this happen. The medications that she's on, her therapy sessions, the pillow. So it wasn't long after that that Barbara's going to complain that she is not receiving her medications correctly. In December, her psychiatrist sent a letter to her attorney stating that it was imperative that her medications be administered properly or she could become suicidal. Barbara had been diagnosed with PTSD and recurrent major depression at this time. This is what this- this um,
0: Results from that car accident, right? I mean, the PTSD, PTSD probably yes. from the car crash.
1: Correct. Her attorney sent a letter claiming that she had not received her meds as prescribed and that- um, Barbara had become delusional, incoherent, she was scratching at her skin, she appeared to be in a state of physical and mental breakdown, and this had made it impossible for Barbara to assist in her own defense. Uh, She told her attorney that DeKalb County personnel stated they planned to, quote, wean her off her meds and would not fund additional doctor's visits or prescriptions. So this gets put in front of Randall Cole after he has ordered these things to happen. So then he, on December the 18th, he's going to ask for a medical report from the DeKalb County doc, from the doc. And they are going to be able to provide that very quickly Mm -hmm. on that day. So they're immediately going to produce a report, a detailed report of the medical treatment that Barbara was receiving. So even if, let's, let's look at it this way. There are a lot of notes, a lot of paperwork, a lot of things that go into mental health treatment and administering medication in the jail or really anywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it's got to have a paper trail. Um, for a judge to ask for this, report and for them to very, very quickly provide a detailed report shows you that this was not something that they just hurried up and filled out on the fly and sent in, in my opinion. Right. I mean, this is just my opinion, but to be able to produce a document or a report, it's not one document, it is a detailed report, um, that quickly... Shows that they were. She was getting some some kind of treatment, and so this is what, this is what they were giving her. She was getting Protonix once daily for acid reflux. She was getting Neurotin six hundred milligrams twice daily for the the pain from the the car accident. Okay. it's like nerve pain um, from the the spinal surgery and and things like that uh Celexa, 80 milligrams once daily for depression now this is going to be something that they're they're responding to in 2006 just a little side note in 2011. A study came out saying that doses of Celexa over 40 milligrams daily have been linked to abnormal electrical activity in the heart. Wow. So can can kind of cause some issues there. So Five
0: years if, too late for her to benefit from that information.
1: Right. And if you think about it d- during this time, it, the way that they're explaining Barbara's behavior, if your heart is continually racing and you've got a lot of extra activity going on, um, that can cause... Um, Some hyperactivity, some sporadic behavior, you know, her feeling not right. It's going to add to the agitation. I'm not saying this Alexa has caused this, but I'm just saying that she's on 80 milligrams. And this study was found that anything over 40 could possibly produce this result. So just a little side note there, Seroquel, 100 milligrams, uh, one or two tablets at bedtime. This was to treat bipolar disorder. So now it's, it's going to come out, you know, Barbara has been struggling over the years with bipolar disorder. She's been Since diagnosed. she's
0: been in her 20s, if I yes. remember correctly, her family yes. started to notice and realize that in her she needed professional help in her 20s. Yes. And now she's 50 years old.
1: Yes. And she's prescribed Ativan one milligram, four times daily for anxiety. So they're saying she's getting all of this medication. This mm-hmm. is what we are giving her. A physician affiliated with the hospital in Fort Payne, which is where this jail is located, reviewed her medication list and suggested one change in the prescriptions, which this physician said should allow her to remain more lucid with fewer highs and lows. They did not, in the book, they did not go into specifics of what exactly the change was, but this doctor took took a look at this regimen and said, well, let's do this because And based on her being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, they're going to want to take out those extreme highs and the extreme lows. And so he's trying to get her. Right. I
0: mean, because it's in the state's best interest for her to be as rational and reasonable and as normal as possible, because they're going to run into problems with trying to prosecute her.
1: They are. And they go- if, if and they're- she
0: if she can argue that you aren't letting me take my medications and tell me if i'm wrong i'm this is sort of a guess here, but i mean, if, if you're not letting me take my medications i'm not a normal person who can
1: it's going to hinder that like as her lawyer had said she's not going to be capable of participating participating in her defense that's what i'm trying to say and that's going to be a problem for the the prosecution yeah moving forward so um on this day that this doctor evaluated Barbara. um When he made the suggestion to change, whatever the change in the prescription, um, she denied any scratches or lesions. And the doctor also noticed that none were visible. Remember that the lawyer said she was scratching and
0: picking at herself.
1: Um, she had no abrasions or contusions on on her body. She was alert. She was oriented. She was ambulatory without assistance, with a steady gait, meaning she could carry. She understood her surroundings. She could carry herself around. She wasn't stumbling around. Um, she was walking. Steadily, right. Uh, she did complain of nerve damage to the left arm with noticeable tremors. Her vitals were normal. So, if you are experiencing a great deal of pain, typically your vitals are going to show that.
0: Okay, yeah. the- they'll be erratic in some way. Your heart beats mm-hmm. up or
1: blood pressure yeah. go. Yeah, those okay. kinds. No other changes to meds were made. Uh, she would continue to be reevaluated and adjustments would be made if deemed necessary. So, what you've got is you've got previous doctors that she has seen and they have prescribed these medications that I've talked about. But when you go. Into the jail, you're going to change your physician, you're going to have the jail physician, you're going to have Mm -hmm. doctors affiliated with the local hospital that maybe, you know, have a rotation, whatever the jail is going to set up. And so they're going to reevaluate everything and they're also going to take into consideration her environment um, everything that's going on and they're going to make changes as needed. So right. they're not necessarily going to just continue everything that you were taking every, and everything's not going to be exactly as it was when you change providers. That's true if you just change your provider. That was and my you next question. Home. Right. That was
0: my next question. Mm. Uh, is that standard if if I switch from one insurance provider to another? And I go to see my new doctor, I start back from zero.
1: Yeah, they're gonna reevaluate you. Right. They're going to look at everything and they may decide to keep you on the same regimen you're on and then maybe slowly introduce other things or or decrease other things, but they're going to do their own assessment. They're not just going to, you know, go with what another doc has said. So, you know, you have this other physician that's taking a look at her. So uh, Judge Cole denied the motion um, she's she's wanting he's giving this motion because they're trying to get her moved back to Cherokee County. Um, they're you know she's claiming they're not giving her her meds correctly. She's claiming she's not getting what she's supposed to. They just prove that she is. So Judge Cole's going to deny the motion because of this report that she's receiving the ordered care that he he had well the that he ordered. So it's not until according to this book that on March the fourth, two thousand and seven that she's actually able to meet with her psychotherapist at the jail. So, Judge Cole, he orders that's, it. That's
0: most of a year after um, he the crime it, took place. He,
1: yeah, he orders it in December of 06. Okay. She gets to meet with her psychotherapist um, March of 07. So, we're talking about four months. Honestly, guys, if you try to get in with someone who is a psychiatrist or providing a certain type of psychotherapy... Without being in jail, you gonna it's it's not gonna be that quick. Really? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get in yeah. to care. So um, if I'm
0: gonna have some sort of emotional breakdown, I need to plan it six months in advance.
1: <laughs> well now they'll
2: put you in a hospital.
1: hmm
0: But I'm not gonna see that Psychiatrist,
1: it might. You might for have, months. It may be. Okay. It may be. And, I have no idea.
0: I mean, I've never seen one so far. And you guys can always well change your minds about whether or not I should. But
1: <laughs> well, what what you have to do, just you know, public service announcement. If, if you call, you need to let. The person who obviously the person who answers the phone is not going to be the doctor, right? So you need to. And if it
0: is, you don't want to go see them anyway.
1: (laughs) You need to let that person know um, everything that's going on. If if you're in, you know, crisis. You need to then let them know because they can because get you some help. They can they can suggest some things to you. Okay, and if you can't get in, you can go through your primary care physician. So you're you're just your general doc, your your MD, and let them help you get into that treatment. But they can possibly start you on you know some sort of path. So right. so there's different ways to do that, but it's 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 timely. Okay, it, it, you know, and so.
0: and a completely different story in an situation where someone's incarcerated
1: yes and she's she's incarcerated and so um so the psychotherapist is going to say that barbara was in a state of agitation she's concerned about her meds still she's not able to sleep because the jail is noisy and the there's the television's constantly on um he spoke with the jail's medical director who was willing to change up the timing of some of her meds to accommodate um the psychotherapist said that Barbara was scattered, repetitious, disorganized, and often tearful. She was easily distracted and lost train of thought. However, he did not observe any delusional thinking or paranoid thinking. So that's going to be, those are some big deals. So what he's experiencing, the, the things that he's seeing out of Barbara If you've ever, if you have ever done any work with a jail program, that's pretty standard. I mean, people, a lot of um, people in jail, especially when I worked um, with a women's program, uh, they are—they're scattered, they're disorganized, they're often tearful, they're in well, their lives are upside down at least
0: temporarily,
1: and in jail. It's, it's that way. And, and I always tried to explain to them, um, it's designed to be that way. It's not designed to be the holiday inn. It's not, you know, you're
0: being punished.
1: Yes. And so they're also, if five of you have a court date on a certain day. And they, got, they have to arrange transportation for all of you. They're not going to let you know until right before they take you because they don't want all of you guys getting together and planning some sort of escape I and mean, trying you. to get in a car. And, right. you know, so it's you're, it, the, uh, the not knowing, the uncertainty, that's pretty standard Okay. in jail. Wow. I never thought um, of it from
0: that perspective before, but that's, that's pretty, and, and it makes perfect sense. It's I part mean, of it. You don't want to give eight people, four days notice. Hey, uh, on I Friday, wouldn't. we're going to load you all in a van and drive you 20 miles. If
1: I worked in a jail, I wouldn't tell them. Yeah. I've, no. Um, they can talk with their attorney and get some information, but that's, you know,
0: and if you work somewhere out there in a jail where that is not standard policy, you might want to suggest that.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so, but the doctor's saying there's nothing delusional. There's nothing, there's no delusional thinking or paranoid thinking. The pain, of course, we talked about she was experiencing goes back to the car wreck and the damage caused as a result. And the doctor did say she showed signs of muscle deterioration, which is consistent with the pain that she was describing. So she is in pain, but it's not her vitals. They're checking her vitals. They're, you know, they're not abnormal. The medical director at the jail was very willing to change up the timing of the medications to accommodate the request. The doctor that she saw while she was in jail had, you know, didn't observe any kind of scratching or any any kind of behavior that is consistent with what Barbara is complaining about to her attorney or complaining about to other people.
0: Well, let me ask a dumb question. Am I understanding? I mean, it seems like the attorneys that are defending Barbara are spending a lot more time on trying to make her comfortable in jail than maybe trying to get her out of jail. And maybe <laughs> and maybe I'm missing something here. But I mean, it's. and I remember I read that book too. And I, I kept reading other chapters about what you're talking about and trying to make her comfortable and make sure her medicine's okay. And I get it that she's got to be able to be uh, coherent to contribute to her defense or that's probably an appeal process down the road somewhere, right, Katie? Well,
2: the, um, once the trial date is set, there's not much they can do in between except prepare their defense. And...
0: I guess the question I'm asking is, why aren't they doing that?
2: Well, you wouldn't... They wouldn't... That wouldn't be a motion or anything you would see or hear about. Okay. And... Uh, then, so so I have asked that so, question. I so suspected that I had. If she's calling and harassing them and saying I want this and I need this and do something and, and, and do I, something, that's
0: what you're describing, right? And, it's just a it's a constant.
2: And they're doing mm-hmm. something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would assume that it's all coming from a request she is making to them, yes. and I'm sure she is her okay. because I know at our office here. I mean, you get you're they have nothing else to do but sit around all day. And, and she's and, correct,
0: and, and make a list of top ten complaints. Yeah. Correct, okay. and she's
1: doing All that. Right. She's flooding anybody and everybody that will listen with complaints. All right. Uh, and I'm not. Tec- I, I'm not saying she doesn't have anything to complain about. It does show right. that she has some muscle deterioration and and things like that. However, you're in jail, mm-hmm. and you're just you're stuck for just a little bit. So you're just going to have to. Uh, you know, longer. It, it is in the jail staff, the, the their best interest to make sure she has her medication as prescribed because um, her mood is already elevated. She's she's clashing with with workers. She's clashing with other inmates. Uh, there was one day where she received disciplinary action twice in one day because she's just, you know, well, I mean... It's a constant state of, of complaining and agitation. Damn, you're looking at the electric chair. Mm-hmm.
0: Potentially. She's very, yes. You know, I mean, that's what... She she's wakes highly, up every morning thinking, oh my God, are mm-hmm. they going to sentence me to die in the electric... Are the last mm-hmm. things I ever see going to be the insides of my own eyeballs with 20,000 volts running through them?
1: Correct. She's she's very agitated about this. And um, again, she's, she's clashing with everybody. Finally, on... August the fifteenth, two thousand and seven. She has this deposition. She eventually is going to get moved before this date back to Cherokee County, which is okay. what she wanted. She, that was the she whole wanted to get yeah. out of DeKalb County Jail and back to Cherokee County. Um, and I'm not here to compare the two jails i don't necessarily think that her motive for getting back to cherokee county had anything to do with with medication that cherokee county was gonna i mean i don't do either the same thing and i
0: wondered about that too i wonder what the, that motivation was the entire time i was reading about it and i think it's just hey i everything else in my life has been taken away from me at least they can take my life away from me in the place where i grew up she that's did, all i could wants think of
1: back in she the just Cherokee wanted to County be at home
0: too. if i'm going to be in hell for the rest of my life or at least for a little while mm-hmm. let's let's let it be at home for a little while before mm-hmm. i for, forever for, I for
1: I whatever go. reason she that's where she wanted. Yeah. She wanted to be back in Cherokee County. So I wonder. There's this deposition in the Cherokee County Jail on on 7 She admitted to being treated for bipolar depression, PTSD, and nerve damage to both wrists and her left arm. She admitted to being hospitalized multiple times from nineteen ninety nine to present day from her mental health issues. On June. 6th of 08 she's going to be put on some new medications to help with her mental state so they're going to actually do another evaluation a year later and they're going to they're going to change it up um, so we've we've kind of talked a lot about Barbara has bipolar bipolar disorder so let me give a brief overview of what that actually means Um, it's formally called manic depression it's a condition that causes extreme mood swings that include emotional highs which is was known as mania or a manic episode with feelings of euphoria full of energy um, unusually irritable uh, those kinds of you know feelings when you're have the emotional highs the the mania and then there are lows which is the depression feelings of sadness hopelessness loss of interest or pleasure in most things this illness can affect your ability to make sound judgments or think clearly it is treated with medications and psychotherapy so my source for for that that little blurb was the mayo clinic so you can go online and and Look there i I really like using their website for a it's yeah a really sure, nice source, but as a teenager, Barbara was liked by her teachers. She was at the top of her class. Barbara paid for her own college classes and she even paid for her own dance lessons. she wanted to take dance she was a go getter she was you know when she, she wanted dance lessons, so she worked, she saved her money, she paid for them, she wanted to go to college, she worked, saved her money, paid for it, but it was in her. 20s. Right? Uh, She never
0: exhibited any of these symptoms until she was in her 20s.
1: Correct. She was, like I said, top of her class, liked by her teachers. Her family didn't notice her mental health issues until she was in her 20s and they realized at that point that it was she needed more help than what they could give her. So they encouraged her to get help. So she would begin treatment. But a lot of these medications have side effects and they're not always pleasant. So she would stop her treatment due to the side effects.
0: She would just, she would self-medicate and, and not medicate.
1: Yes. And then, so when she and Vernon moved to Alabama, remember that's how she got here was she was originally from Texas and she, she moved with Vernon, her high school sweetheart to Alabama. She was hospitalized multiple times for mental health issues. Now, fast forward to present day, and I, I know I'm I'm skipping the trial and everything, but Katie's going to cover that. But fast forward to present day, and according to um, the book, um, she's in prison now. Yes. So uh, there's a little bit of a spoiler, but <laughs> we'll get. Uh, she is receiving her correct medications, regular therapy, and consistent treatment. And her condition has improved drastically. So you you fast forward to to whatever the last day of this book that Barbara was interviewed by. It's on page three twenty eight of the book. I was
0: just going to check the uh, publication. This mm-hmm. was published in two thousand and ten. Okay,
1: so it would have been a little bit before then, but uh, you know they changed up medication in oh eight. They, they changed up her medication in 08, and so I don't know. I can't speak for what else she's on present day, but at this point in time, on page uh, 328. I'm
0: looking at 328. Okay. let me see. All right,
1: there you go. So I'm just going to read directly from Sheila Johnson's book. Uh, corrected medication, regular therapy, and consistent treatment since her incarceration seem to have changed Barbara Roberts somewhat. She... Um, apparently has experienced a degree of improvement in her mental state. Um, but despite any such improvement she may have made in recent years, the past cannot and will not be changed. Even though she has expressed an extreme degree of remorse and regret for her part in the death of Martha Darlene Roberts, Barbara has paid for the tragic results of her earlier actions with the lifelong surrender of her freedom. So it, she she seems to be medicated, receiving her therapy. But I mean, it, it, that's good. But it does not necessarily exonerate her from the crime. Right. I mean, she still killed a woman. They they trapped her like an animal, and then and then she ran, and they shot her like a I mean, again like an animal, just dead.
0: Well, I will always believe that the person who actually pulled that trigger. Uh, got off a lot easier than Barbara and Roberts. But that's just my personal
1: opinion. No, I think you're right. I think I think he's the one that uh did it and because he
0: It doesn't make her any less guilty of capital murder.
1: No, but he just shut up and But know, he
0: if if you had to pick who pulled the trigger and one woman's got tremors in her in her hand and Never,
1: but he does too. Never yeah. Never
0: use, well, maybe a different kind of trimmer because I remember reading several times in the book where when they would go and and talk about the, the shooting range that they went to, they actually interviewed people who worked at the shooting range and they said, Barbara never shot a gun. She couldn't, she didn't have enough strength in her hand to pull the trigger. And I don't know why that's not more prominent in this it, well, story. Well, they
1: do talk about in the book. Actually, um, before the crime, They there's documentation where they both went to a shooting range.
0: There is, but there's no documentation that she, and it, that's what I'm saying. It's those same people that were there at the shooting range that mm-hmm. say, oh, Barbara didn't pull the trigger on any gun at the shooting range mm. because okay. she couldn't. She didn't have the strength in her hand after the car accident. Okay. Or whatever. Well, and I just, and, and I was wondering why that was never more of a, and maybe Katie's going to tell me that that was a point of contention with the defense, but
1: well, and last I never week,
0: saw where it was. Last
1: week we talked about how she was stalking Vernon yeah. and Darlene and she was sending letters. She was showing up in the woods. She was making phone calls. She yeah. was, Barbara didn't help her case. And, and, and the fact that Barbara is talking to anyone and everyone and, and she's just all over the place. Yeah. Didn't help her either. So yeah, she probably was treated worse, and, and it probably had a lot to do with with her mental health issues, the behaviors that they cause, and he just kind of shut up and didn't really say anything. And yeah. asked he for said a lawyer one word. And, he
0: said lawyer.
1: Uh huh. And that was it. Yeah. So yeah, that that is unfortunate. I'm gonna pass it over to uh, Katie to talk a little bit about the trial. Well, Barbara
2: was indicted, like Scott mentioned, for capital murder. And it was capital murder in this case because it was committed during a kidnapping and uh, and or terrorizing of a victim. She went off and hired an attorney that she knew in Georgia that had represented her previously, I think, on some speeding tickets. Oh, we
0: saved the juicy part for the last. I forgot about yeah. this. Take it away, Katie. This is gonna be great.
2: <laughs> so he, she hires this attorney in, in Georgia and she doesn't realize at the time that he is not currently licensed to practice law in Alabama. So he brings in a lawyer in Cherokee County, Alabama, to assist on this case. And up front, he charges Barbara $50,000 in, in the form of a non-refundable retainer. Has her sign a contract.
1: Has wait, her... wait a minute, his retainer? $50,000. It's $50,000. Well, Someone thinks highly of is themselves. That, I don't know.
0: Is that standard in a murder case? I mean, that you're going to be spending a lot of time doing a lot of things. I don't know. No. no. Okay.
1: I'm uh. not a lawyer or a doctor, and that's not
0: standard. <laughs> oh, and I'm a mediocre journalist, so I don't know either. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> the c- Quick answer, no. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and, I mean, especially, I mean... This isn't the O.J. Simpson case. Gotcha. You I was know, about to say, my gosh. what are that you, Johnny may, That Cochran? may have been what he paid his attorneys. I mean, <laughs> I think I think Stephen Avery paid his attorneys a hundred thousand dollars. Good gracious! But no, this is All not right. common around here. Okay. The terms of the contract was this fifty thousand dollars was non refundable. Okay. Uh, she also signs a power of attorney, which gives him access to her bank accounts so that he can. Pay her bills, do things for her while she's incarcerated, which is not entirely uncommon. Okay, to do usually you give someone power of attorney. It's not, it's not always your your actual attorney. Yeah, as your power of attorney, um, but it is a good idea to have a power of attorney because people need to be able to do Things on your behalf,
1: yeah. but don't necessarily take that literally, right? And give your attorney right, the power of attorney. I'm it, not saying I'm not being ugly to all lawyers, don't, don't get me wrong here, but I mean, it's that is uncommon. Yeah. It's usually the next of kin or, right. or a trusted friend, and or I guess she didn't well, have that,
0: I'm, right? I mean, she's from Texas, yeah, she's divorced, she's got one friend in the world, and he's in the jail cell and the other side of the building.
1: Yeah. I mean, you make a good point.
2: I do think that's what play, uh, that played a lot yeah. into this, was she just didn't have anyone around. So trial commences, and like Kelly mentioned, the first little bit before the trial, they're filing a lot of motions, and then trial gets here in August of two thousand eight. She is convicted of capital murder. The jurors voted eleven to one for the death penalty in this case. So, like I said, it was not a it was not a tedious trial. It was. Unanimous conviction and then 11 to 1 for the death penalty. But the judge sentenced her to life without parole.
0: I was at, I was in the courtroom the day that the closing arguments took place. I don't remember why. We didn't cover the case from start to finish, but I was there that day for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I'm just going to say it this way. The prosecution's closing argument was much more compelling than the defense closing argument. So
1: you, you're reporting this, this is firsthand.
0: Firsthand, I was there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I remember that very succinctly.
1: She is, her
2: life is saved here. The judge does not go with the death penalty and he goes for life without. And her attorney says he's going to, of course, he's going to immediately appeal this, which is very standard. He goes to Barbara and says, I'm going to need another $50,000. Okay. And I'm going to need to sign another contract. Eventually he is fired and she is able to get a new attorney. In this case though, the attorney is suing her previous attorneys.
0: So she has hired an attorney not to defend her in her appeal, but to sue her previous attorneys for what she- Malpractice. Okay.
2: Yes. So she hires a malpractice attorney. All right like I said, Barbara does not pay the second $50,000 and she in turn fires this attorney and she hires a new attorney. She is all the while during, during this process asking for her money back or at least the unearned portion of her money back. She's like, I paid you $50,000. You didn't do $50,000 worth of work for me. I want my money back.
1: Yeah. I can imagine paying a fifty thousand dollar non refundable retainer, and then getting almost getting the dadgum death penalty. I mean, yeah, but I, I would mean, probably. How does that work? Do you, is that like
0: when you build a house and you you chart you every week the the contractor brings you a list of here's what I spent this week and an attorney
2: should keep up with their time.
0: Okay, because it's they just should,
2: time with an attorney. It is.
1: time you're yeah. paying for. Yes, right. should keep
2: up with the time log and document every everything they're doing and be able to produce a time log in order to justify justify it's it's, it's like
1: invoicing yeah exactly
0: exactly
2: her attorney states that he spent over 270 hours working on her case with uh in the nearly year he spent representing her all right how many hours.
1: hours did he bill her for
2: well see he wasn't he wasn't billing her as the time went but when she was arguing with him that he didn't earn that fifty thousand dollars, he says, I spent two hundred and seventy hours working on this case.
1: Okay. So if you I mean if you do it like fifty two weeks in a year Uh and you work forty hours a week. It's it's one eighty five an hour. Well he's claiming that thirteen percent of his entire year was spent on her. That is, yeah. That's if it's forty hours a week, right. which I know attorneys typically will probably end up working more.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's one eighty five an hour. We may want to cut all this. Out. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah.
2: Um, but so she hi- <laughs> she hires an attorney to sue both of. Like I said, she has an attorney that was that she hired to begin with, and an attorney that actually represented her in the trial. Okay. So two separate attorneys, one from Georgia, one from Alabama. This attorney that she's hired post-conviction to sue both of these attorneys as a malpractice attorney. And how that works, too, just a little insight into it, is he gets hired, and he's going to get a portion of her settlement. So if
1: they win this case...
2: Or nothing. Right. Okay. Okay,
1: so th- there's the motivation to put in the time and make sure you take the right case and work hard on it. Right. So okay. this
2: malpractice attorney is coming in, and they're going to sue these two previous attorneys. And if he wins this case, he gets a portion of this settlement. Okay. Usually 40%. All right. Ooh, steep. And so wow. a Cherokee County jury awards her $2,060,000 in 2014.
1: So they, I mean, he proved malpractice.
2: Yeah. $60,000 in just damages and 2000000 in punitive damages. Wow. Uh, so he's going
0: to get $800,000 out of that if that ever gets paid off.
2: Well- the the points in the case that were made, for one, it is illegal in the state of Alabama to have a non-refundable retainer. Your retainer cannot be non-refundable. It's illegal. So
0: that contract that she signed was an illegal contract. Yes.
2: Well,
1: and it was, with a, was it with the attorney you said that it could only practice in Georgia? Right.
2: But the case was in Alabama and it's illegal. And from my little bit of research, it's basically illegal in Georgia too. There's like some loopholes and some, it's, it's not really legal in Alabama, in Georgia. But either. I mean, the, he wasn't even really. I, I guess he could assist. He, he got. I found one place where it said he did get admitted to practice in Alabama. Oh, okay. But he for did just not,
0: this case.
2: No, it didn't say that. Okay, okay. But it. He did not try this case. I mean, Scott, you were there for the. Program. I was there. Okay, so he did not so try he's this just case. assisting right. the defense. Yes, right. Okay, it's, but he's the one who got that first fifty thousand dollars, and he. That was an it was an illegal contract in the state of Alabama. Is that
0: one of those situations where it is a referral? I don't know exactly how referrals work. I'm not an attorney or a doctor or a very good journalist, or I would know this. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. It, maybe it, he considered is, that his referral fee. I mean, that doesn't make it legal, but I'm just Ooh. saying maybe
2: he thought he could. No, it, no, it was, I don't know. It was a non-refundable deposit, okay. right. a retainer, is how the contract was. Stated. I got you. I got you. So there were. There was a suit against her Alabama the suit against her Alabama attorney said that he was misappropriating her funds. Not spending them on her defense. Right. Okay. Yeah, that he the it said he misappropriated a hundred thousand dollars of her funds. The judge vacates this original award and just orders a new trial.
0: Okay. And I didn't I, see that coming. A new civil
2: trial, the new civil trial. Yes. Okay. So he that two million dollars was not awarded. He just says, "Now let's let's try this again." Okay. So they have a new trial and a new settlement is reached, and the the original attorney in Georgia is ordered to pay three hundred thousand dollars, and the attorney in Alabama is ordered to pay three hundred ten thousand dollars. The her. Malpractice attorney just claims that they were just robbing her blind. They did attribute to the majority of that coming from the Alabama attorney. Right. That is why I mean he ended up having to pay ten thousand more dollars. And how that works is really when you sue an attorney, most attorneys, well, I would say all attorneys, I think they think you have to. You have E and O coverage. Okay. And mm. so, so that's kind of like a, a doctor has I'm, a malpractice I'm
0: the idiot. insurance. I'm the idiot here. What is E N O coverage? E
2: errors and omissions. But I can't say the word error really well. I got you. Okay. <laughs> I try to just avoid okay. that. error,
0: okay. error and, <laughs> mis- like, and omission. Yeah, like Kelly
2: said, like a doctor's malpractice insurance. Okay. I mean, I guess it okay, is but... malpractice insurance. I guess that's another term for it. But yeah.
1: so it's actually the insurance company that ends up paying. things. And, and your
2: premiums go mm-hmm. up.
1: Oh yes, or or you drop, or they they don't, yeah, they won't cover you anymore. (laughs) And so
2: you may think, well, why does why is she getting six hundred and ten thousand dollars, and she's sitting in a prison cell? Well, she doesn't. You can't, you can't, she can't get this money, right? So her attorney is paid, of course, he's paid first, and so
0: so we got two hundred forty grand,
2: right? And if that's the math, I'm I'm not over here double checking that, but. Yeah, don't. (laughs) (laughs) While all this was going on, there was a civil case that was involved, and it was for the estate of Darlene Roberts. And Vernon Roberts, Darlene's husband, he filed a wrongful death lawsuit against his ex-wife, Barbara, in Georgia, representing the estate of Darlene, and the jury awarded the estate $30 million. So all of the funds that would have been paid out to Barbara in that malpractice so, case went to the estate of Yeah, Tharling. because
1: originally, they, it, it almost was like they were really suing the surgeon. Yes. I mean, he's the one with all the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, they were really going after his mm-hmm. deep pockets. But uh, since Barbara just happened to win this civil case, mm-hmm. all of her earnings go to the estate of yes. Darlene. So you'll be happy to know that the victim's mm-hmm. estate actually benefited yes. from her winning this. And it seems case. like
0: that's the third or fourth time that we've talked about a situation like that, because I remember with the Eric Rudolph case, you know, there was this situation a few years ago where he tried to write his, an autobiography mm-hmm. and there was some legal rant ramifications about whether or not he would be able to profit from that yeah. and somebody determined along the way that he wouldn't so yeah. same cannot. situation yep. you can't profit from correct. murder
1: and
2: correct speaking of dr Scheiss and his deep pockets that their estate was going after what happened to him well he had a trial right after barbara's and he was found guilty of kidnapping and he was sentenced to three years in prison or he pla- he pled guilty to kidnapping he didn't actually have a stand-up trial with a jury and everything. He, like we mentioned, kept his mouth shut, hired an attorney, and his attorney did a really good job defending him. And he was sentenced to three years in prison. He was released in 2010, and he went t- to live with his mother, and shortly thereafter, he did hang himself in a coat closet in his mother's home. Yep.
0: Shy's got $50,000 worth of defense in a situation where Barbara and Roberts did not. I don't know how much he paid for his defense, he but he did, got $50,000 so on it. he, he, he
1: called his served, attorney and ask. Yeah. <laughs> he served three years in jail for- And some of that he, was time served yeah, because he'd already been
0: incarcerated for a year and a half.
1: Right. He
2: didn't, yes, he, it was time served. So really about from the time he was originally arrested to the time he got out of prison was three years.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, and I don't know if, did Bo say this last week or did he and I have this conversation at the, uh, he told us this last week, part of that agreement- with Scheiss was, listen, when you get out and we can't, Double Jeopardy's no longer a concern for you and we can't prosecute you again, we want you to come back and tell us what really happened that day in that rolling field with that car and that shotgun and that dead woman. And he hung himself
1: Maybe he never, because he never did it. He
0: never did it. Don't Maybe he hung it. himself because of the guilt that he had, or for some other yeah. crazy reason. But he never made it back to tell the folks here in Cherokee County what happened that day.
2: Well, and something mm-hmm. else I know Bo said was they never did find the murder weapon. Nope, never did. But they're ninety nine percent sure it is in a river on the way home.
0: The Etowah River.
2: Yes, the, I believe it would have been mm-hmm. on their. They would have been. They passed it on their way home, and they mm-hmm. think they, they drove over it, turned around, threw it off the bridge, never to be found again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yes, at, of the of the 3-year sentence Scheiss had,
1: 2 years were spent in County Jail, 1 year in
2: prison. So, mm-hmm. he
1: and so currently, of course Scheiss is deceased and uh, Barbara Ann is in Tutwiler, Julia Tutwiler prison. Mm-hmm. With, where they all go. That's, that's, all that's women the women's the state of that's Alabama? the women's prison here. I uh,
0: hear it's not a great place to be. It's it, oh. A lot of problems with the prison system there's here a lot in Alabama. Of stuff, and
1: there's a lot of stuff that, that, uh, that, that is talked about in this book, Blood Ambush by Sheila Johnson. Um, yeah. Every about time, Tutwiler. It seems like... And about the... About the so, I, I highly recommend you read this book. It's, a really, it's yeah. a really thorough book.
2: And we highly recommend that you do all the research you can into an attorney that you're hiring and giving $50,000 to. Whew.
1: That's just, that's a steep retainer. Yeah.
0: Exclamation point on the end of that sentence.
1: Exactly. Um, I have (laughs) a final excerpt that I would like to read from this book. It is a letter to Sheila Johnson that was to be included in this book. And I'm not going to read the whole letter. I'm just going to read a few parts of it. And this is from Barbara's sister. She says, I formally believed everyone in prison was there after a life of crime. I pictured the inmates from broken homes, poverty, and a generational lack of education. Mean and angry people who looked like the boogeyman of my childhood fears. I never pictured one of my own family members as one, certainly not my own sister. A life was taken. And it makes me physically ill to think of it even today. Knowing that within days of this being done, two murderers attended my mother's funeral and witnessed the mourning. Acting as if nothing had happened, they shared meals, made small talk, and continued to live their lives as though it was totally unchanged. To me, this is the behavior of a monster, not that of a fellow human being. I've forgiven my sister for her involvement in this brutal crime. She remains constantly on my mind and in my heart. I pray for her to find peace. My prayers are also with the family of this and all victims. I also pray for the family members of the criminals, for I know their pain. And that's from her sister, Barbara's.
0: Nice that she took the opportunity to express what I'm sure a lot of uh, families of People who are involved in something like this that takes them completely by surprise. I mean, you're just as shocked and aghast as anybody else. And it just happens to be someone that you've, you know, spent your life with and and Mm -hmm. sat beside and grown up with. And all of a sudden they've made a horrible mistake for whatever reason and their life goes off in one different direction. And except for monthly visitations, you never get to see them again. And it's certainly not the way that you want to.
1: Mm -mm. Not at all. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this episode uh, this week. We went so, Debbie Downer at the
0: end of that one, man,
1: didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> heavy, though. I mean, you can't really talk about a capital yeah, murder without right. getting a little heavy. It's really hard. Yeah. It is really hard. Yep. You guys, uh, this is Halloween. Week. Ooh, I wanted to talk about what our Halloween costumes
0: are going to be before we got off the air. I'm doing one of those green jumpsuits from Squid Game. Ha ha. (laughs) I hope everybody else thinks of it too. It'll make more sense if half the people out on Halloween this year are wearing it.
1: Well, if you maybe. haven't seen it, you
0: don't know what I'm talking
1: no, about. No, I have not seen it, so I'm not gonna oh, I'm not sorry. gonna get that but I've given away too much. That's okay. That's okay. I, I still have no idea what my costume is gonna be.
0: Awesome.
2: Well, all of it's us gonna at, be last minute. all of us at Easy Street are going as different versions <sighs> of Britney Spears. i so. heard about that. And
0: <laughs> we remembered to work in the show of this episode finally. It's mm-hmm. Saturday night. Uh, Shane Given's band is playing at nine and the Yep, but we're gonna have
1: a costume contest.
0: And it starts so you can at. Go
1: to Easy Street. The costume contest yeah. starts. I think Easy it's seven Street. o'clock.
0: Sorry. I I do. And this is
1: Saturday night, October the thirtieth. Oh, at yes. Easy Street. Yes, Saturday. Yes. Oh, the oh yeah, party starts at seven. Yeah. Party
0: starts band, at seven. Band starts
1: at nine. I didn't get what you. I'm sorry. Saying yeah, party
0: starts at seven. Band starts at nine. The and there's a costume the, contest in there somewhere.
1: The freaks are going to be out that night, right?
0: Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> it will be a, yeah, be well, a normal right. Saturday night at Easy Street.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, you guys have a great week. Happy Halloween.